Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
Father's Day. This is Rory Sodder. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sodder Show. It is a pleasure to be with all of you. I have missed you. Um, we were last live on Tuesday night. We had a great show. Uh, I want to thank all of our guests. They were fantastic. Um, you know, as always, when I start the show, I want to thank um, our amazing audience, uh, our amazing co-hosts, our sponsors, all of our special guests. Um, you know, just the show keeps getting better and better. And, uh, you know, it's uh, there's just so much to look forward to. Um, I do want to say um, to everyone, you know, uh, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for hearing our insight. You know, thanking, thank you for uh, letting us sh- shine our light with you. I mean, it, it really is uh, an honor. Um, so tonight we do have a huge show. We have a lot to get into. And as always, guys, uh, you can visit our new, our brand new uh, news media site, which is thenextgenusa.com. That's the N-E-X-G-E-N-U-S-A.com. And we just put it up, so we're still adding more stuff to it and, and updating it, so bear with us. You know, we have a lot more uh, planned and in store for for that site. We're going to turn it into a huge empire. It's going to be a 24-7 uh, breaking news source. So uh, we're very excited about that. Uh, and as always, you can find us on many different online radio and podcast networks, to name a few, uh, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, um, TuneIn. Uh, we're also on Player.fm. Um, so many different ones. You cast box. It goes on and on. Uh, but tonight is a very special night. Uh, we have Steven Seagal's co-author and business partner, ex-chief deputy, U.S. marshal, martial artist, U.S. Army veteran, musician, political activist, and mayor of Payson, Arizona, Tom Morrissey, will be calling in. We also have lawyer, entrepreneur, activist, and best-selling author, Daniel P. Badafuco, will be calling in. We have America's rabbi, Middle East observer, historian, political analysis, public speaker, and best-selling author, uh, Rabbi Spiro will be calling in. We also have oil and natural gas investor, foreign policy analysis, businessman, motivational speaker, radical Islam expert, and a contributor to Daily Caller, Clash Daily, Lives at Daily Surge in the Hill. Dan Perkins will be calling in. On the phone now, we have my co-host, as always, legislative affairs for President Ronald Reagan, international security expert, Islamic historian, political activist, and best-selling author, Valerie Greenfeld. How are you? Good. Thanks, Rory. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, we have a uh, quite the quite the night planned. Um, first off, you know there is still you know a lot of this uh, caravan chaos, um, you know, and it just continues and continues. There's more videos today down from the border. Uh, they keep moving towards the U.S. Um, it's getting more and more crowded. Um, you know, a lot of these people are hostile. Uh, it's very, very scary. Think about uh, what what can possibly happen when you bring people in this country without vetting them properly. And there was a survey done uh, in a live video, and 90% of the people in the caravan are grown men. So in the liberal media or the left tries to say these are innocent children and mothers coming across the border, they are lying to all of you. This is, it's, it's, that's a total cop-out. It's a total uh, talking point, and, and it's just beyond gibberish. It's, it's very, very silly, um, the fact that the Democrats want to play that card. And we see all the crimes 
that these illegal immigrants uh, that come across the border commit. But at the same time, I, I will say, and I've always said, there are illegal immigrants that are great people. Um, they're just misled. Uh, you know, some of them have fear, um, you know, or whatever the variable, different variables, whatever the case may be. Um, but it is a dangerous time. You know, um, it, the border crossings and illegals, uh, you know, trying to invade us is right now at an all-time high. Um, my best guess on this and what my theory is they're trying their best to get in here as quick as possible before Trump really enforces really, 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 really uh, strict immigration laws. And, and I also think the Democrats have a lot to do with this. I think they're funding this as well. So I think this is, you know, a few things. Uh, Valerie, what are your thoughts? Well, I agree with you. And I think that, you know, we need to get on it right now. And, um, it's a dangerous time because the the government, you know, the uh, the American people are split, and one narrative is, um, you know, we should feel sorry for these people, and you know, I feel sorry for the people like Kate Steinle's family, who, you know, yeah. she was a sweet little American girl walking down the street with An her dad, and she was murdered, and nobody Francisco. talks about that. Yeah, walking in San Francisco, enjoying her day. And an illegal immigrant comes up and shoots her, and she dies in her dad's arms. But but we're more concerned about the people we don't know than the people we do know. And these are our people. These are American people here that are innocent. And you know, I think that that needs to be brought up more often than than the people that that are you know trying to get into our country to to do terrorist acts or to bring drugs or whatever the case may be. And yes, I agree. There are some that you know, are trying to get in here because they want a better life. And I don't blame them, Right. but they need to right. do it legally. That's all. I'm not saying they shouldn't come. They're welcome to come if it's legal and if they go through the right yeah. channels. Well, yeah, and you're absolutely right. And, and you know, I mean, we, we saw when, o, you know, Obama offered a lot of these people amnesty way back in the day when Obama first got elected, and a lot of them got scared to come out. And, uh, you know, a lot of people – a lot of these illegals are um, in their own way that uh, they're scared to say that they're here illegally because they're worried about being deported. But I, I've, all, I've also said many times that having illegals in this country uh, mooching up our system and, and, and I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. There are illegals that work really hard in this country. Don't get me wrong, but there's also that big portion that mooch up our system. And when that happens, and, and just in general, anybody here illegally, I just think it's a big slap in the face to all the people that have worked their asses off to become legal citizens in this country. And from the videos I'm seeing from the caravan and the border, how it's continuing, um, I mean, this is every day. I'm waking up every day and seeing more videos from the border, from the caravan. Um, Jesus, I just, I mean, this is like, it seems like we're living on a different planet. I mean, I, I don't even know what to think anymore. I mean, I, the, the, you know, I never thought that, and these people are breaking down fences. They're uh, attacking police in Mexico and in Central America. I mean, these, these people, uh, it's crazy. And, Dan, uh, I want to, you know, uh, invite on our first guest, oil and natural gas investor, foreign policy analysis, businessman, motivational speaker, radical Islam expert, and a contributor to Daily Caller, Clash Daily, Lives at Daily Search, and The Hill, Dan Perkins. How are you, sir? 
I'm fine, thank you. And um, um, and I was, just, I was I listening to, to say something to you real quick. You didn't hear what I, you didn't hear something I said before I got on, but there was a study in a poll about the caravan down in Mexico, and you know how Democrats want to play the card that oh these are women, these are mothers and innocent children. Well, that's not even the case. It's ninety percent of these people in the caravan are grown men, um, and we don't know anything about them. And this was a this yeah. was a certified. Uh, a poll and somebody that actually went down there with video, with proof showing, uh, you mm-hmm. know, the 90%. About your thoughts, though. So um, I haven't done this for a while, but 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 I want to go a different direction. <laughs> do you have you? And no, I, I love when you do, Dan. But have you been? I'm sure you've been writing about this this week because it's not ending. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yes, but but here's here's. Here's what's not being talked about. Right. In order to provide food and water for the caravan, yeah, I saw an estimate today. It cost over a million dollars a yep. day for the caravan. For the get, ten thousand. I, I want you to continue, and and I was I was going to say about that. How in the hell? Are they getting all this food and all this funding? Hmm, let me think. Obviously, it's the Democrats. There's no doubt about it. Democrats want the votes. They want these people in the country. Well, so go ahead. Continue. Sorry. Yeah, but there, but there are reports are that the, there are groups who are sponsoring. So, the, so the, the, the conventional wisdom that the media would have you believe is that this was a spontaneous event where people just kind of got up from the dinner table and said, Let's go to America. And they picked up their stuff and walked. And in reality, that's not true. The reality is that these people were either forced, cajoled, or threatened to leave and join the caravan. And there is an organization in Venezuela who is uh, one of the sponsors. There are organizations that are sisters to it in the United States who are providing funding to take care of, because if there wasn't food and water being provided by outside sources, these people wouldn't be walking a thousand miles. And so we're not reporting, we're not talking about the fact that it costs a million dollars a day, and these people don't have a million dollars a day that they can dip into their pockets to pay for food and medical care and anything else. And the government along the way is not providing the food. So they haven't been talking about it. And nobody in the mainstream media is writing about it. And I think uh, it's time to start talking about how does this get funded because these people supposedly don't have the money. I also think you you made a, a really good point. What message does it say to those people who are in the true immigration process, waiting online to get processed, who've tried to come into this country illegally, not illegally. Again, nobody, nobody seems to talk about how the legal immigrants, a million of them a year that are legally coming into the country, how do they feel about those people who supposedly get up and walk across the border and get asylum and become part of the welfare state in the United States. I don't hear anything or see anything about the reaction to the legal immigrants. They're, it's as if 
they don't count, Roy. They don't count. What happened to them right. is irrelevant. What irrelevant to the immigrants that are coming today, and we don't talk about how it's being paid for, how it's being financed, and we don't talk about the mix of males to females and children, and we don't talk about the drug people and the gangs and the coyotes that are intermixed with all these people that are driving them. Um, it's just – I heard a lady today who was disappointed with President Trump that he didn't he, – the, these people were coming into Tijuana. Mr. Trump, she felt, should have done more. They should have uh, turned them away and never even had a chance to talk to them. And uh, But again, one thing we don't talk about is that when you cross – when you left Honduras – or El Salvador, or Guatemala, and you crossed into Mexican territory, that's when you became a, a person looking for asylum. You don't say, I'm passing through here. I'm really looking for asylum in America, so we're not going to ask you. And so, right. again, all of these things are going on that, that the mainstream media is not talking about, and that concerns me. Yeah, they re- they they refuse to um, to address the issue, it, 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 you know, and and here here's the here's the big problem is when they when they twist the story, when they make it seem like these people that are coming in are innocent innocent victims, and I mean I never thought I'd be living in a country in America where they think it's okay for illegals to vote and they think it's okay for illegals to, you know, mooch up our system and just basically cut in line. I mean, it's, it's disgraceful. You know, obviously there is uh, a solution for it. Um, You know, building a wall is one of them. Uh, And also, you know, more strict uh, regulations, which Trump is keeps putting into place. uh, And eventually uh, that border will be so sealed. I, I don't think, you know, obviously they have their ways. They have their underground tunnels uh, or whatever they do, but I just think it's going to really slow down. I, I just think they're going to have an understanding that they try coming over here, there's going to be some problems. Well, I saw the, the former director of ICE on Laura Ingram's show last night or the night before, and he was talking yeah. about 90, 92% of the illegals who come across the border seeking asylum are denied and are to be deported. However, the catch and release rules, they may, they may lose their, their court case, but they never report to be deported. So they're still here and they continue to be here. And I, I think, I think you just, you, we're looking at a collapse of a democracy. I think I see that. I, I really see that happening. And I'm very concerned about it because half the people don't care, Roy. And I'm half looking the people for in this kind Go ahead, Valerie. Again, I think that the visual, it doesn't, there's no good marketing visual with following the law. But if you have children being put in cages, that's all they think about. You know, is is how horrible Trump is because he 
there were children coming across and they put them in cages. And I'm, of course, I have children. Of course, I don't want them put in cages, and I don't want anyone else's children being put in cages. But like you said earlier, you know, and that's a visual that that the Democrats are going to pick up on because you know, what kind of visual are you going to get from they followed the law? <laughs> um, and let, let, but, and let's face it. Let's face it. This whole cage thing. This whole cage thing, uh, Bill Clinton and Obama and Bush had this whole – but Bill Clinton originally put this whole separating families at the border uh, law into place back in the 90s. And Bush and Obama had followed it, and there was no bitching or complaining from the media. But all of a sudden, Trump does it, and then it's just another thing they find uh, to find to blame Trump for. I mean, they'll do whatever. I mean, they want to make Trump look like the biggest villain of all time. Yeah. Valerie, when that's when right, but the they're first, not talking about. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dan. No, I, I'm just going to say, Valerie, that when they when the the story first broke about the children in the cages, I, I wrote a commentary, and what I pointed out in my commentary, we are talking about one. We're talking about two thousand children. We don't know that the people that they actually came across the border with were actually their parents or not. We do know that there are cases <laughs> yeah. where. Where, where people are selling their children to allow yeah. another uh, adults to come across the border, but but here's where I've got a problem, Valerie. In that article that I wrote about this, the Child Protective Services and the Police Department last year separated 384,000 American children from their parents. For child abuse, and one of the biggest That's offenses right. was sexual sexual abuse. Now, why are we so focusing on? Two, why are they talking are about that talking? exactly? Why are we talking about illegal second class citizens, but are not, not our own American people? It's disgraceful. Exactly. I mean, you you have you and you know you know what pisses me off, and I'm going to go on a rant real quick because this is really important. What I'm about <laughs> to say is, you have all of these ghettos. And all of these places in our country that need to be fixed, and they're purposely not fixed because of the, the left political. They want to have some sort of problem so they can create a solution. We've known this forever, but but that's not my point. My point is, people always say they want to go to foreign countries and change lives and help out, you know, bad communities. What about all the bad communities in our country? What about all the crime? What about all the poverty? What about the hoods? What if, I mean, it just goes on and on. I could drive street, miles and miles in every state and city, and I could see poverty. And why is that not being fixed? I, one of the reasons is political, it's a political thing. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Because let's face it, these, these political figures that are elected are, um, you know, they're, they're totally um, – just control. They control everything. I mean, it, 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 a lot of a lot of what goes on, and you see a lot of these left wing areas that are so poor and so like down and, and and like completely like no opportunity, and it just it's disgraceful. So let me let me give you one more statistic, Roy, and yeah. and uh, Val- Valerie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lyndon Johnson was president of the United States. Uh, Lyndon Johnson right. declared war on poverty. Right. Since Lyndon Johnson declared war on poverty, yes, two interesting things have happened. 
Yes. Right now, right now, the national debt of the United States well, is $21 trillion. Real quick, real quick, I want to interrupt you real quick. Lyndon Johnson is the guy that created the Great Society. He is the person that yep. started this entire thing with the, with the minority community, with, you know, all of what's going on with abor- the, the abortion rate before the Great Society, I think, was in the, like, 20%. Now it's at like 70% in the black community with abortion. I mean, Lyndon Johnson started this. And let's not forget what the quote he made. And I'm going to say the word. I don't care because this is what he said. All have them niggers voting Democrat for 200 years. That's exactly what his quote was. And you can look that up. Mm -hmm. It's not something – you remember he said that? Yeah, absolutely. But my point, Roy, is that since Lyndon Johnson started the war on poverty – the American people have spent $22 trillion on poverty. Yeah. Right. And what did we get for it? $22 trillion in debt, and have we eradicated yeah. poverty? No. 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 So because it's spent... helpful to the Democratic Party to keep the problem going because then they can bash the Republicans. But what makes me exactly. upset is that um, – is that when you talk about these kids coming across the border, who's taking care of these kids? You know, the people that, that um, came across legally and they're sending money home, they're working hard here, they're sending money home, and eventually their kids are going to come back here with their, um, their brothers and sisters or parents or whatever. Those people are separated from their kids too. It's not just the ones that, that come across illegally. And they're making that choice because they want their kids to have a better life. And the thing mm-hmm. that's yeah. most upsetting to me is they're blaming Trump for these kids, and, you know, they come into foster care. We have enough people in our foster care. I have two right now in my house that are, that are living in foster care, and they're, they're legal Americans that were born here, and, you know, their family needs help. So, you know, Republicans do a lot that is never reported. It always seems yeah. to be, quote, unquote, a Democrat issue. Um, but I right. think Trump has done a lot to change that. You know, he's brought right. over a lot of African-American people to the Republican side because we want to solve the problem. We don't want to continue manipulating people thinking that it's not solvable. Right. I want you to speak, I want you to speak and then I've got to introduce our next couple guests. But Stan, I want you to respond, but I want to say something real quick, which is very important. What Valerie just made a, uh, you know, a, a great statement is that the black community for so many years has been highly misunderstood in terms of what, you know, in their beliefs. Like they think the Democrats are on their side. They think the Democrats are in their corner. They think the Republicans are the racist ones. Obviously, they have not studied history because we know the Republicans are the ones that freed uh, the slaves, the, the African-Americans, and we know that Abraham Lincoln uh, freed them, and we know the Democrats uh, voted against it, and we know the Democrats started the KKK, the plantation, and slavery. And the fact that the, the backwards ideology uh, is in existence with the black community um, is kind of disturbing if you really think about it. I mean, they're, they're basically voting uh, for what their ancestors uh, died from and suffered from. Very true. Very Go ahead. True. Sorry. I just was, I was just going to say to what Valerie was saying is that we, 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 we've lost our way and, and Donald Trump is trying to help us, 
regain our path, our direction, our honor, dignity, and and uh, but but the, the 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 Democrats do not want America to be great again, and they don't want America to succeed, and and that is one of the fun, fundamental reasons we have two camps in this country. We have the camp of a lot of the Democrats who say America never was great, and they're they're racist and they're bigoted, and there are other another camp on the other side saying it gave us prosperity and made us the, 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 the leading power in the world. We bring in more immigrants than anybody else in the world. We have grown, but, but our country is no longer the country that, and I'm, I'm a lot older than you are, Roy. The country is no longer what it was when I was growing up in many, in, in, in many, many, many hundreds, if not thousands of ways different and not better. It truly, it truly, it truly is. I mean, we're, we're living in a different time. Um, I do want to welcome our next special guest. We have, we have a, some great, great special guests. Uh, Steven Seagal's co-author and business partner, ex-chief deputy U.S. marshal, martial artist, U.S. Army veteran, musician, political activist, and the mayor of Payson, Arizona, Tom Morrissey. How are you, my friend? Hey, Rory. I'm, I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Great to have you here. Great to have you back. You're a great friend of the show, good friend of me. Uh, I'm just honored to have you back. And then we also have on the line lawyer, entrepreneur, activist, and best-selling author, Daniel P. Buttafuco. Is that how I pronounce it? Sure, Buttafuco, as in Buttafuco Algo. How are you, Rory? Doing well, man. Great to have you on. Um, first time on the show. Um, your book, uh, you know, looks fascinating. It looks really great. Um, I definitely want you to get into that. Um, for, first off, though, Tom Morrissey. Um, I want to, you know, I want to ask you, we, you know, we were just talking about the border and, uh, you know, you and me are, are good friends with uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio and, you know, you and him and, and, and he have talked many times about the crisis of immigration and illegals pouring in. And, uh, I've talked to him many times about it and we all know uh, he's the godfather of immigration. I mean, there's no better guy at, at enforcing that law than him. Uh, but you know, you're the mayor in Payson and, and you, you, you're here in Arizona with me and, you know, we see this all the time, but what are your thoughts about this whole caravan thing and this whole craziness coming across and uh, just the, it's just insanity. Well, uh, I, I don't take office until December 13th, right? But uh, okay. for, okay. I, as uh, I'm going to speak from a law enforcement perspective, that uh, what's coming at us is an invasion. Uh, the, the, these folks are trying to overwhelm the border and just break through. And if that happens, I don't think it's going to. Thank God we have Donald Trump as our president. Uh, but yeah. if that were to happen, it would be total chaos. Now, I'm, we're sitting in, in, in ground zero. Luckily, we have gun rights here that keep uh, that, that keep the uh, let, let's say the the uncertainty and the imbalance of people breaking through our border uh, because sometimes the, the body politic cannot prevent it uh, or, or choose not to prevent it. Now, what you have heading toward the border and on the border right now are militias, and it's something that troubles me a great deal. I, I do not want to see the country uh, evolves into a shooting 
circumstance where, where these militias of have to, to take part in defending our national integrity. I'm hoping that the government can. Now, I'm, and I'm going to take just another 30 seconds to, to explain further. The problem that we're having is not only owned by the Democrats or the left. It's also owned by a huge portion of the Republican Party. Now, I am a former chairman of the Arizona Republican Party, and I will tell you with great certainty, we have people like Jeff Flake, who is, who is uh, luckily our retiring senator. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I, I am... I, I regret that I was part of it was during my term that he was elected. But but we have an establishment that, that is deeply rooted. It's the deep state, part of the deep state. And it's deeply rooted in the Democrat Party, and it's deeply rooted in the Republican Party. And therein lies the problem. The Democrats want the vote of the illegals, and the Republicans want to hire them or want to use them as services in, in uh, businesses. That's the establishment part of the party, something I was I never was and I fought and I have been fighting all my, my time as an activist in the Republican Party. Yeah, and let, let, let's face the facts here, Tom. We just got elected this, this last week Christian Cinema, a bisexual atheist communist. In the state of Arizona, one of the most conservative states in America. And, you know, the fact that there is not some sort of – I mean, I know there's kind of an investigation, but they're not taking it seriously enough to the point where that, you know, looking into how many illegals voted. Because we know, we know they do. They vote vote in so many Arizona elections, and there's no way that a a, – that Kristen Cinema won by 30,000 votes fair and square, and I don't even think she won. I think this is all fraught. Look what's going on in Florida. Look what's going on in Georgia. Look what's going right. on in California with all the voter fraud. I mean, this is, this is absolute insanity, and it's, it's ruining our democracy. It's ruining our Constitution. It's ruining what we stand for. I mean, what, what's left? Well, if, if I may... Uh, that the it's election like, real here, quick, it's like it's like we the yeah. people don't have the choice anymore if they cheat. I mean, the, the government and these political figures have so much control over us. I mean, it's like it's disgusting. But sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, well, what, what's going to happen eventually is is people are going to take power back. Uh, this 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 is not going to stand. This country, the, the people in this country are not going to allow it to happen, but it's going to be pushed to a point, and, and it's self-defeating. It's frustrating for us to stand and watch it and scratch our heads and, and say, you know, wow, what can we do? We are quickly getting to the point of, of frustration and saying nothing can be done. And at that point, when that is realized by enough people in this country, something will be done. We we will right. we will take control. It's going to happen. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. I mean, Boy, you just, you just see, question? yeah, yeah, you can. But um, you just see all the suspicious activity, especially with um, you know this midterms with the voter fraud, 
and, and the fact that, you know, Martha McSally, the conservative candidate for senator down here, was the first female fighter pilot. This is one of the biggest military states uh, there is. And I just, I just can't uh, fathom or believe that, Mar- that Kristen Sinema won this election fair and square. There's no way. No, I agree. I agree with you. 100%. I, I know that to be fact. I know that the election was stolen. The problem is we can't prove it because of the way the system is set. It, it, it is set. It, it is a, a fertile ground for corruption and, and for, for stealing. And that, that's how Joe Apollo got defeated. You know, and um, the yeah. same thing. We, you know, and we are, uh, and we are a, we are the most conservative state. I say Iowa and, and Arizona are, uh, not Iowa. Excuse me. Uh, uh, we, if you, Iowa is not Idaho. Idaho. Yeah, Idaho. Arizona. <clears throat> but the the um, you know the the fact is that something's really wrong. Something's really wrong all across the country. And what, what they've done is Democrats do it better than, than anybody. They they learn to steal elections. And Al Franken's election. Um, uh, eight years ago, uh, was, uh, was <laughs> Al an example. Frankenstein. <laughs> Al Frankenstein. Well, that that <laughs> same attorney, the same attorney that helped him uh, when when he was sued uh, as a result of that election, an engineer the, 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 that is now in uh, Florida working for uh, you know against Governor Scott and. Uh, it, I mean, it, it, you know, it's so obvious. It, it's it's scary, but I, again, I, I'll reiterate: it's going. To, they're pushing it to a point where it, it, where where the forces in this country are going to have no choice but to act, and it's going to be very harsh, and it's going to be very very bad, but it's going to save the country, and I, and I see it coming. Yeah. Well, Dan, go ahead. Respond. You wanted to respond. I want to ask. I want to ask a question. Um, I, I am also a retired veteran, and I know uh, when you write, we had yeah, Obama. You, you write for all the big newspapers. Like you keep up with all this stuff. I mean, you're right on top of this. Stuff. I, I, I try to. Yes, thank you. And I write for about 15 different blogs. Um, but my my question is, when um, when we had troops in Afghanistan and. Obama was president, there were rules of engagement, which put limitations on what the American military could do, especially in how they could respond to being attacked. What, and, and I listened to what you said about what border and, and, the, and the, uh, uh, the, the groups that are there that, uh, that could create a problem. Do you have any sense or any knowledge of what the rules of engagement are at the border? Uh, for the military or, or for the militias that are on the border with the military? Uh, with, no, with, I'm, not, I'm, I, I'm saying I'm, I, that the militias are, under, are not under the direct control of the government. The, the military is. But I'm right. speaking I, in terms of probably border control, immigration and naturalization, and the, and the military – that's there. I know that the military is not in the front line, but what I'm really trying to figure out is if we if we don't know what the rules are about what those people do 
before they cross the border. And if Mr. Trump has said that if you do not come through through a port of entry, you will be denied access to the country. How do you deny right. it? What are the rules of engagement? Well, the, the the first line of defense is law enforcement. You know, under posse comitatus, which is which is part of the Constitution, uh, says mm-hmm. that the, the the military cannot act as a, as police in, in dealing with with the citizens of the, of, of the United States. Okay, so that that said, but there there is also um, you know if the our border agents are overwhelmed then the military will have to act because, and this is my assumption or my, uh, really it's my opinion, but I, I don't think I'm wrong on it. If the, mili- if the uh, border agents are overwhelmed by, by, uh, by the masses, then the military will, will have to act to protect the sovereignty of the country because if they do not do that, then we do not have a border. We, we, it's over. It, it's done. So this is the precipice of of, uh, of us uh, protecting the, the sovereignty of our country, and I believe that that's what will happen. So rules of engagement first are uh, all, they, all the military is uh, acting as support, relieving the Border Patrol of, of some of their administrative duties and others. Uh, the military right. is laying barbed wire, razor wire. Uh, they, they're doing that, but... It, but Think about it. I mean, so if if they are overwhelmed, the military is there. You think they're going to stand there and sky say, I can say welcome? Ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. Because we have a president president that has a spine. This is not Barack Obama. This is Donald Trump. This is a whole different thing. Yes. But but um, I I mean no disrespect, sir. You didn't answer my question. Let me me try it again. If If the border customs... And immigration and border patrol are overwhelmed. Yeah, you said, if I heard you correctly, that you believe that the military will be brought in. What yeah. do you think the mm-hmm. rules? What, what do you think the rules in, of engagement are going to be for the military if they're brought in to de- to deal okay. with breakthroughs and overruns? Okay. Well, the, if President Trump two weeks ago said that, and, and he said it very very plainly, if the, the illegal uh, aliens, you call them, the illegal aliens, mm-hmm. start throwing rocks at the military. Then the military mm-hmm. have to consider that as being equivalent to being shot at to defend mm-hmm. themselves. He said that, and, that, and that's standing. That it might be. I, I don't know what the rules of engagement are. I mean, I'm not part of it, but I'm saying from my experience as a law enforcement officer, from my experience as as a vet of the United States Army, my experience in, in the leadership position I've just been elected to, I can tell you the mission is to protect the integrity of the country, to protect our country. And if they attack our military, the military, they're not going to stand there and take it. This, there's going to be bloodshed. And this, this, could turn, this could turn very, very ugly very quickly, and I believe it will. I believe it will. That's, that was the that was what I was looking for you to to, to say, not not for sensationalism. Do you, so you think there is a possibility, if the caravan storms the border and overwhelms customs and, and immigration and border control, there will be people that will die. Yes, I I, I okay. think it's a probability, not a possibility. That's a probability. Okay. 
That's my and, turn. And we Thank looked, you. We looked, we looked at what came out today. There was a Gallup poll out today. Five million Central Americans want to move to the U.S. I mean, it's, you know, there's so many people that want to get out of their own country, come here, but at the same time, there's two things. First of all, we're not the world police. Second of all, I thought we're racist. I thought we're hateful bigots. Why the hell do you want to come here? I mean, you know, there's, there's just so much idiocy in all of this. I mean, their own government gets all this money and, and certain, you know, financial aid from the U.S., and we all know how corrupt these foreign governments are. They starve their people. You know, their people die. They don't care. It's run by communism. People are trying to flee. I mean, as a, I know we can't be the world police, but something has to be fixed in these countries so these people are not, you know, invading ours. I mean, I know it's always going to happen, but there, it will slow down. It has to. I mean, this can't, uh, you know, with Trump being president, like you guys said, uh, this isn't going to fly for very long. No, this is true. You know, it's equivalent to, I used to use this analogy, uh, you have a fleet of, of ships in the ocean, and uh, let's say yeah. there's six, and, and a great storm comes and sinks five of them. There's only great. one left to float. Well, everybody yeah. that, that survives the sinking is going to swim toward the ship that's still afloat. And what happens? So they all get on, get on that ship, and what happens to that ship? It sinks. So they all die, right. and that, that's what that's what's happening with the, this illegal uh, immigration, this influx. Yes. They will they, if yes. it's allowed, if it's allowed, to, if yes. people are allowed to come in by those numbers, they will destroy our system. They already have have weakened and, and, it tremendously. And Tom, yeah, and Tom, in your book you wrote with Stephen Tagal, you wrote your book with Stephen Tagal. You know, you guys, yeah. you and him talk about. Uh, the deep state. And speaking of Steven, uh, you and him talk quite frequently, and uh, he yeah. just got uh, a big position uh, with R- uh, Russia relations, trying to ease tensions with U.S. and Russia, which apparently he's doing a right. pretty good job at right now. And, uh, you know, but, but in this book, though, you guys talk about a lot of the problems that are occurring with the deep state and with the left and, you know, just with our evil government. And, you know, it, it, your book's doing well. Well, you know, actually, it, it, it is. I just heard from Stephen yesterday, and the, the book is now in being uh, translated into Russian, and it's being released in Russia, and uh, we, we, with a, with a big promotion. Because Stephen is is uh, he's, he's very very big in Russia. He's a big star still there. So uh, <laughs> that that's that's happening, as, you know, as we speak. But yeah, the, our, the, the book, uh, the Way of the Shadow Wolves, and subtitle was. Uh, the deep state and the hijacking of America. And what it is, it, it, it's a story, a fictional story about the uh, Fast and Furious gun running case and a fictional uh, uh, Native American tribal police officer named John Goday uh, stumbles on it. And, when he, and, and as he starts to expose the people involved in it, uh, they put out a hit on him. There's a, they try to silence him. And his battle becomes uh, with the, with the um, with the government, with uh, law enforcement agencies, with people who we couldn't trust. And he uh, has to depend on the shadow wolves who exist. They are a, they're a law enforcement tracking group that exists in the Native American communities around the country, and um, and that's what the story is about. And um, it's. Uh, 
uh, but it, it has not been welcomed by the left. They have really panned it, but by uh, people that give it a, an honest evaluation, it's, it's getting tremendous reviews, yes. and we're doing it's doing very well. It's doing very well. But, and, the, but the whole the way, point I, is, yeah, yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I want no, you continue. I was going to say something, but you continue. I want you to finish your point. Yeah, well, you know, the whole point is that um, we, the story is, is, is eerie because, well, we wrote uh, a, year, a year or two before the actual events, like the the massacre in in, uh, in Las Vegas on the Strip is in the book, and we wrote it in a year and a half yeah. before it happened. And the corruption right. in the, F, the FBI and all that, we, we wrote that into the storyline and what's coming out as, as corruption. So... We, we put that in, and I wondered why. I thought just that people had a bone to pick with Stephen. It's, it's almost but like it, you predicted the future. Like you were calling things before they even happened. And, you know, yeah. what I realized with your book is that it, even though it's fiction, it resonates and connects with everyday realities of what some of these, our massacres face in this the massacres that happen in this country and the government. And you know, just everything. I mean, it goes on and on. Yeah. Well, it's it's it, it's eerie, as I said. It's eerie that with with the way the way things happened, it was like a prediction. It ran. I mean, it's stuff that uh, that I I just uh, talked about uh, were written were written into the book uh, almost at the beginning of of the writing, which which is really scary because it took us two years to write it. So I'm hoping the sequel doesn't take that long. So we're working on that now. But uh, <clears throat> but it's it's. And you guys a, are, um, you guys are gonna make it into movies too, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, we're looking at that now for. Excuse <clears throat> me, I'm a little lost. But we're looking at it for. Uh, Stephen's looking at it right now for the thing. We we uh, we, we have a uh, we we formed a publishing company, uh, Stephen and I, and. It's uh, Fifth Palace Publishing, and now we're going. We're changing the name uh, and and the structure to Fifth Palace Productions because we are going to be going into film production, and the, the book will be coming either a TV series or, or a series of movies. So, uh, but that's nice. that's down the road. But right now, um, we you know it's. It, <laughs> There's so much going on, Rory, uh, right now, right. politically, and and with that, that makes my head spin. That's why I haven't been been available uh, before now, you know. To, and I'm going to have to bail on you in a, in a few minutes. I, I no, apologize. Yeah, that. I understand but, that. I know you have to go. Um, before you go, though, I do want to ask you a, a couple quick questions. You know, you're sure. you're going to be sworn into you're going to be sworn into office here, um, you know, next month. Um, I yeah. obviously we know we know that pace in Arizona is is a ways up in the mountains, but obviously you'll still deal with some sort of illegal immigration up there. This is this is Arizona after all. Um, yeah. I, I know I know you've talked about your your objectives and and your duties. Your uh, the first things you'll do once you get into office. But are you also um, going to be um, you know d- dealing with any sort of immigration stuff? Uh, Helping out uh, Arpaio or any of these uh, Arizona uh, immigrate like ICE groups or enforcement. Well, what I'm going to do the very first thing I'm going to do as mayor is, is proclaim uh, Payson as not a sanctuary a town, and uh, <laughs> which which is going to 
That's going to make the liberals heads explode. But uh, we're, we're going to do that, and we do we do have illegal immigrants uh, running around here. We will I will direct the uh, the police department to fully cooperate with ICE uh, in in every sense of the word. I mean, we're, we're at ground zero here, and um, right. any place in Arizona is considered ground zero, and you know that, Rory. You're here, so uh, but the the thing is, we we have to stand up. We we have to take positions, and it's up to us. Everybody listening to to, to right. this show right now, it's up to us to do this. We can't depend on other people anymore, because they're letting us down. We need to take the reins and 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 to, and to do right. this. And we are. We will each in our own way. You know, where are you doing it? You know, with this show, miscommunication, and 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 the guests that come on. I mean, there's way more of us than, than there are there are uh, our opposition. But the thing is, we have that strength, the conviction, and 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 the debt and love of country to do this, and and we have to do it. I'm not saying anything other than that. But I'm saying we have to stand strong, and we got to Absolutely. back. We have to stand. We have to stand with President Trump. He's our only hope. We have to do Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. And and let's you know let's also. Um, say that well, which is great. Um, Arpaio uh, has a big super PAC now, uh, you know, yeah. which is which is helping a lot of different things. Which candidates, uh, you know, border security. Uh, he's doing a lot of great things with, uh, you know, President Trump's agenda. So uh, that that's another big thing that you know um, we need for sure. I mean, we need as yes. many people on our president's side as possible. Yeah, and well, Joe may be. Headed for some some big things coming up. I, I talked to him yesterday, and yep. there's some things in the offing that the, the offing that that may may surprise you. But I talked to him on Monday. Yeah. I talked to him on Monday the other day. And, okay. uh, he's he's doing really well. And but no, I I know what you mean. He he has a, he still has a lot in the tank. I mean, there there is no stopping that guy. That guy works 14 no. to 16 hours a day. He's got more energy than I do. I mean, the guy's a machine. He is. He is. And thank God that we got him. You know, thank God. So, but God uh, Rory, you know what? Yep. I'm sorry, Rory. I I have to bail, but uh, uh, stay strong and keep keep up the good work, you know. And And your uh, book, where can people find your book? Your your book with Steven Seagal. Yeah, it's uh, uh, Way of the Shadow Wolves, and it's. on uh, Amazon, uh, it's in Barnes and Noble. Uh, Walmart has it. You may have to order it uh, there, but Walmart has it, and uh, it's uh, soon to be uh, released in uh, Russia. It's already looking like it's going to be a bestseller there. So, um, wow. the, but uh, you can get it here on, on Amazon, and uh, we're doing we're doing it's the best. It, it's uh, it is a bestseller, you know, on, on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. So. It, and real quick, yeah. the last thing before you go, last thing, your first yes. three duties once you get sworn into office. I know I've asked you before, but for the audience that hasn't heard, all the people that haven't heard, say again what you're going to do. Well, the first thing I'm going to do is to open town government and make it totally transparent because uh, we we haven't had that. We haven't had that here. I'm going to professionalize the uh, police department. And I am going to professionalize the uh, fire departments 
and bring them up to par and, and standard uh, that the, those uh, that they deserve. And um, I am uh, well. We we have we have a homeless and we have a, a, a drug problem here, and uh, we we uh, we I'm already part of a task force, a, a drug and addiction task force uh, that we're working on uh, bringing in, into uh, into effect. I, I I won't be able to do this, of course, until. I take uh, office, uh, it'll be on December 13th, but on December 14th, this goes into effect. So um, we, we are, and the thing is, um, uh, that it, the main thing is, is, is this, for me, <clears throat> it is that we, we have to, I understand, and, and, and everybody listening, please understand this. People who we send to office, myself included, work for the people. This country is built on three words. We, the people. We control, okay? And do not, under any circumstances, ever make anybody we send to office a celebrity. They are not celebrities. I am not a celebrity. We work for the people. We serve the people. And the people, and things will never change until we, the people, understand that. And, and we demand we demand a standard from the people we sent to office, and if they don't fulfill that standard and they don't meet it, then we then we don't we knock them out of office uh, by election, you know, or recall. But uh, but that, you're, that's you're the message I'm, I'm bringing to my town. You're absolutely yeah. right, Tom. And, and Tom, before before you go, I just I want to say thank you, Tom Morrissey. Everybody, this guy has lived it all. He's been a U.S. marshal. He's he's Steven Seagal's business partner. He's now the mayor. He's a musician. He's a martial artist. He's an, an army veteran. I mean, it, the list goes on and on. You've lived a hell of a life. Uh, real quick before you go, though, Tom, um, any questions, Valerie, uh, Dan, um, anything? Anybody? Anybody on the line have a question? No, I'm 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 good. Thank you for spending so much time with us, sir. Well, it's an honor. Believe me, I thank you for spending time listening to me. I, I appreciate it totally. Absolutely. Like I, I, really say, appreciate, you know, I really appreciate. I really appreciate you, We're Tom, and Tom you Morris. All the way. Every... I'm, I'm sorry. All the way, and I'm grateful for your service. It's amazing what you're doing. So, Thank you, Valerie. I, I, I appreciate that very, very much. And you don't have to thank me for my service. It was an honor to serve this country. So, but thank you for for, for being so nice about it. But and anybody that that, that serves this country, uh, I, I know we, I, I, most of the folks I know, we all consider it an honor to to have served yep. our country. And and uh, but thank you all again. And I look forward yep. to uh, to being back with you in the not too distant future. Okay. Right. No, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Tom Morrissey, everybody. Always a pleasure. Take care. Thank you. God bless. Bye. God bless. God bless. Tom Morrissey, everybody. I want it. Daniel, are you still there, buddy? Yes, I am here. Okay, Daniel, oh, I got a lot to talk to you. I got a lot to talk to you about. So I, you know, just bear bear with me. I want to um, I want to get into everything. So you know, you have and leaders of Black for Trump. Are you there? Leaders of Blacks for Trump, Michael. Hello, Michael. I guess we don't have Michael. Okay, Daniel. Daniel. Um. So Daniel, 
I, I want to get into your whole story. You know, my, when, when guests come on my show for the first time, I like to, um, you know, get your background, get how it all started, uh, you know, get kind of a feel for, you know, everything that's going on. And, um, you know, your book and, you know, looks amazing. I, I read a little bit of the description and, you know, you're a trial lawyer. Uh, you know, you've been around the block. You've lived, uh, you know, quite the life. You've, you, you've done, you know, uh, certain things that uh, other people haven't. So please, um, you know, shine light on us. Tell us, tell us your background. You're talking to me, Dan Buttafuoco, right? Absolutely. Okay, sorry about that. Um, well, yes, I've been a trial lawyer uh, for 37, 38 years. Um, I wrote the test for the National Board of Trial Advocacy. Um, I try to help people, mostly Christians, with serious injury and accident cases all over the country. Tried many jury and non-jury trials, um, and so over the years, I became interested in building a case for the defense of the Bible. I, I was sort of listening with interest to your prior discussion, and uh, I'm not so much worried about the collapse of America as I am worried about the collapse of Western civilization. Um, I think that's a bigger Good and more point. important problem Good in point. my word. Well, and the reason I say that is because we have uh, discarded biblical truth as a basis upon which to build our morality, our opinions, our ideas about life, about government, about God. And so we have this crazy mess that you're all trying to solve, which I, I listen with interest. But I, I think it's, a, it's, 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 it's basically a fool's errand, not that you're fools, but it's a fool's errand to try to solve a problem that at its root is ideological. And so about 20 years ago, I got into a, a, a debate at a party with another lawyer who was an atheist, who has actually a really become a really dear friend of mine, and uh, he the party split into two with two factions, each sort of uh, listening to their champions debate uh, whether God existed and whether the Bible was true. And I knew I was a good lawyer, but I knew that after that discussion, I I felt I had done a terrible job in representing the Christian point of view. I mean, I really didn't even know why I believed what I believed. I knew I was a Christian. Uh, I, I intuitively knew God existed, and I certainly had felt I had known God in some way, but I couldn't really give good, solid reasons for why I believed the Bible was the Word of God. So I sort of went on a 20-year journey in which I, you know, started to study apologetics and did some research and looked at everything from an evidence point of view, and I came up with an idea for this book, which sort of grew out of a, an essay that went viral in China as to why the Bible is the most important book ever written, which clearly it is, most published book in history. Uh, it's been printed in every known language, just about thousands of languages, including Braille. Um, and it's foundational to all of Western civilization. You take away the Bible, the whole world looks very different. You don't even have America. Forget defending America, you don't have America. So um, I put this book out, and apparently people are interested in it. It already sold out the first day. So Amazon has ordered, I think, 2,000 more copies, and, you know, we're getting calls for interviews, and I'm happy to talk about it. Wow, yeah, very, very good, very good. Um, I'm glad you brought this uh, to light and, and to our attention and are addressing this issue because, um, you know, th this is something that is talked about and on a regular basis. Let's face it, I mean, the Bible – is it, there's a war on the Bible. I mean, they want to ban it in California. There was a bill, um, you know, put forth that, you know, could, would, would essentially 
get rid of the Bible and be illegal to purchase any Bible in the state of California. It didn't pass, but the fact that that even came to the surface is quite disturbing. You know what I mean? And you have all this oh. hatred towards Chris- Christians and all this anger towards white Christian males. I hear, I hear it all the time. White Christian males are the enemy. Like the, the, People want to say there's war on Muslims. You know, the Muslims, a lot of them, I'm not going to say all of them, they cause their own mess. And, you know, the way Jews get treated is terrible, and the way Christians are being treated is terrible. You know, so this is, this is a whole thing where, you know, it's like Jews and Christians are being totally um, crucified and insulted and being basically, in a sense, uh, told they're wrong and, you know, we need to accept uh, Muslims and all these other, uh, you know, ideologies that are absolutely atrocious. If you read the Koran, uh, uh, it's disturbing. Well, well, the Bible is a very scary book to a lot of people because, you know, the Bible has never been in the custody or control of one group, unlike the Koran, which was in the control of one group. In fact, they destroyed all varying copies that they didn't like. And so they sort of kept a tight, you know, hold on the editing process. The Bible is not like that. It belongs to everyone and nobody at the same time. Uh, the Bible is essentially, especially the New Testament, an eyewitness account of real events that actually happen. And what the Bible attempts to do is to give us a picture of God and of ourselves and our predicament. And so it sort of gets to the root of man's problem, uh, problems, really, which is selfishness and sin. All this fighting and contention is as a result of people trying to spin things their way and the bible is exactly the opposite especially the new testament you can never make a case for violence from the new testament you know i've heard people say well you know christians fought the crusades yeah well the difference between christianity and islam or any other religion is when christians do wrong things and they certainly do because we're not perfect we're not following our leader we're not following our religion but when other people do wrong things they are indeed following their leader and their religion and so when you read the New Testament, the only violence that's ever inflicted is on the Christians themselves, and we're told to endure it patiently and trust God, and God is our defense. And that's not to say I, I don't believe in a just war or in self-defense. I certainly do. But, but most of the time, what, what we need is we need a response uh, which is biblical and, 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 and models Christ. You remember, to be a Christian means to be a follower of Christ. It originally was a derogatory term. Most people don't realize that. Christ, Christ, the word Christian is essentially the word little Christ. You know, it was a derogatory term meant to poke fun at people who were trying to follow Christ. Sadly, today, Christians don't follow Christ, so they hardly can be called Christians. You can slap a label on anybody, but you can stand in a garage all day long. It doesn't make you a car, so going to church doesn't make you a Christian. It's all about following Christ, and you can't follow Christ if you don't know anything about Christ. If you want to know about Christ, where do you get that information? You get it from the New Testament, which is the authoritative right. source of the life and ministry of Christ. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to bring Christians especially back to the Bible because the, if you look at the church, the church is in serious disarray because nobody knows what to believe. Everyone's inventing their own rules. They pick and choose cafeteria-style religion. They take the things they like, and they, they, they go with that. And the things they don't like, like take up your cross and follow me, they disregard. So if we're going to have a cohesive movement of Christianity where, in fact, we have real power, and I'm not talking about political power. I'm talking about spiritual power, which trumps everything, not to use Trump as a, as a word, 
But that, that is really where the power of the gospel is. It changes lives. It changes people. It changes hearts, right. and it starts with us. So uh, yeah. that's what I'm hoping will happen here. I'm hoping people will start to take the Bible seriously and know why they believe it. In other words, why, we, why do we believe the Bible is the word of God? And, and you know, Daniel, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that you're, you're, doing, you're doing this, you know, and, and, and bringing awareness to this uh, subject matter because let's face it, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, when people find God and people find faith, uh, there's, they, they, they get cured in so many ways. There's proof of it. Look at all the men that come out of prison and find God and change their life. Look at all the people that are drug addicts or alcoholics, and they find God, and it changes their life. Look at all these people that have all these different issues, and they find God, and it changes their life. So it's all about believing. It's all about taking the time. It's all about, you know, understanding uh, the, the ideology and, and the great, um, beautiful thing, Christianity and other, you know, religions stand for. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, not stuff like Islam, but, you know, uh, there's, there's, religion is very important, and I've always believed that. And, you know, I went to Catholic school my whole life. I went to Catholic grade, grade school. I went to Catholic high school. Um, and, you know, I, I – uh, just the way I was born, the way I was brought up, you know, church every Sunday. Well, well you know, it's uh, funny. It's funny. I'm sorry, Roy. But it's funny when you talk about religion because, you know, people like to say that all religions are equal, which, of course, is ridiculous. All religions are, don't say the same thing. They can't all be right. So we have to at right. some point make a decision or determination or have an intelligent argument as to which faith, which holy book is the most accurate when it comes to its teachings about God. And that's why I called the book Consider the Evidence, because I want people to consider the evidence, which, by the way, has been around for centuries, if not millennia, as to why we actually believe the New Testament, which is 27 separate books, why we believe this is authoritative, why we believe this has a supernatural quality to it. You know, we didn't just get the Bible. It didn't fall out of the sky. And certainly we didn't invent it and decide, hey, look, this is a good book. Let's run with this. What actually happened is that the cream floated to the top. These writings had been around, and people knew they were associated with eyewitnesses who actually experienced real events, and they felt it yeah. was an accurate portrayal of God working in the lives of human beings. So what, what, since these arguments have been around so long, I actually just take these arguments that the scholars are debating up at a very lofty level, and as a trial lawyer, my skill set is to break it down to the average person so they could understand why we believe these things and to consider the evidence. That's what I want people to do. Now, I can't force people to believe. My job is to yeah. persuade. And by the way, that's another good thing. Christianity is the only religion that spreads by persuasion. Other religions spread by force. So our weapon is to persuade people to believe in Christ, to believe in the truth of the gospel, and to believe in the Bible as the word of God, because we have reasons. We've got to give them reasons. And that's even what the Bible says, uh, to be able to give a defense right. of the faith. You know, so I'm just right. trying to do what Scripture says. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm going to let Dan and Valerie respond. Dan, go ahead, and then Valerie. I want to raise a question. <clears throat> um, we are we are seeing a continuing spread in the United States, Canada, and Europe, and perhaps Central and South America, a an expansion of secularism 
where we have abandoned any any deity. The belief is that I don't need a presence of God. I don't need to go to church. I don't have to follow rules. I can do whatever I I can lead a good life, and I don't need all that structure. So we have people leaving churches in droves, regardless of the faith, Christian or Jew, because the churches, the churches, the institution, apparently no longer has value or meaning to tens of millions of people. And I ask you, what happened? That's funny you asked that question because I actually addressed it in the book. You know, Christian, Christian, well, Christians have made such a mess of the church that I can't blame people for not wanting to be Christians. If you look around what, at what passes for Christianity, and believe me, I'm not a perfect person by any stretch. I mean, I'm a trial lawyer. How perfect can I be, right? <laughs> okay. So, uh, you know, it's, it's actually sort of ironic that God is using a, Chris, a, a lawyer to, to, to bring the gospel to people. I mean, you know, it's getting desperate when God is using a lawyer, not only a lawyer, but a personal injury lawyer to bring the gospel to people and to bring people back to truth. And, and so why is, it, why is it so bad? Why are people walking away from religion? Well, most people associate Christianity with the Catholic Church. Look what's happened in the Catholic Church. They, 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 there's child molestations. The priests are being protected by bishops. And people are disgusted because they intuitively know these things are horribly wrong and sinful. And not only that, it's actually taught in the Bible that that's the case. So when the leaders don't keep their own rules, what do you expect from the people who are supposed to be the, the sheep? So what's happened is you sort of have this, this, this idea that's pervasive. And it's actually sort of America's fault in a way, which is that everybody is equal and everybody's ideas are of equal worth. And that's just not true. There are bad ideas out there, and every idea is not equal, and every opinion is not equal. Some opinions are informed, and some are woefully uninformed. And I'm not equal with uh, Michael Jordan. I can't dunk a basketball. Uh, so people are not equal. That's a fiction. We are not equal. What we have is equal worth. So what, let's talk about that, but let's not pretend that all people are equal. You know, some people are six foot five, and some people are five foot two. We're not all equal. Right. But this fiction right. has pervaded all our thinking so that everybody gets a say, and every idea is attributed equal worth. And instead of pointing right. people back to the authority of the God, the Bible, who, who, who right. does have the final say, we've just got a million right. opinions floating out there. People pick and choose what they want to do. Yeah. But, but I, 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 I can I follow up? Oh, go ahead, yeah, go ahead. What, what, uh, and 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 uh, I don't I don't mean any disrespect with what I'm about to say. So please understand. Trust me, you can't offend me. <laughs> Good, thank you. Um, see, I, I, I have a I've written about this issue of the Catholic Church and pedophilia. And if you do a little bit of research, you will find that other religions of the world, Christian or non-Christian, have the same problem. Where it's pervasive is in the public school system in the United States, where we have teachers, both males and females, having relationships, bearing children with minors. So when we're, if we're saying that the Catholic Church is falling apart because of pedophilia, I have a problem with that because there are many examples of many studies about what's happening in other religions and what's happening in our school system, which is a representation of moral decay, in my opinion. 
So well, I, w- I want to make it clear though. I wasn't knocking the Catholic Church. The, in many ways, the Catholic Church is a marvelous institution. It's the number one provider of health care in the world, and it's also, I think, not the number one. Certainly up there in terms of providing orphanages and and help for for people who really need it. It's it, the relief efforts of the Catholic Church are, are nothing short of extraordinary. I wasn't suggesting that the Catholic Church has no credibility. I'm saying people view it that way. And they don't look at the good that the church does because people tend to zero in on the bad. Just look at the media today. Everything is negative. Nobody, you don't ever hear a story in the news about, oh, you know, somebody got free health services today because of the generosity of Catholic Church. That's never reported. What is reported is the nonsense, the horrible stuff, the sin, the wickedness. So you asked the question, or somebody asked the question, I think it was Rory, as to why this um, people are becoming irreligious at this point. And what I'm simply saying is that's one of the reasons, but, but that doesn't mean it's a valid reason. In fact, I, I firmly believe that, that Christianity is rooted and grounded in historical fact that Jesus is everything he claimed to be, that he did in fact rise from the dead. And that by believing in Jesus, we have freedom from our sins and are totally set free people. But the problem is that's not taught anymore. What's taught is that we all can do our own thing and God just going to sweep it all under the rug no matter what. And, we, you know, nothing matters anymore. Well, no, we don't really believe that, do we? No, I mean, you know, I mean, God, you know, God obviously is there to guide us. He's there to help, but we also have to put in the work. We have to, you know, do our part as well as humans on earth. And, you know, I've always said this many times is that, Life is a test, you know. Uh, this is just uh, the beginning, you know. And when we die, exactly. uh, the, 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 when we die is when the real life begins. I mean, it, you know, and that, that's the truth. Um, I want to I want to get Valerie's thoughts. And, you know, real quick, we do have somebody on the line that would be great for this conversation. My next and stay on the line, Daniel. We have American sure. Rabbi... America's rabbi, the very first rabbi to endorse Ronald Reagan, Middle East observer, historian, political analysis, public speaker, and best-selling author, Rabbi Spiro. How are you, my friend? Welcome back to the show. I am fine. Good to be back. Well, it's good good to have you here, my friend. Um, Val- Valerie, your thoughts, though. I wanted to get your thoughts on all this. Wow, where to begin? I agree that a lot. I agree with Dan that a lot of this, the problem that our society is having now is with the education, and everything has to be equal and fair. And if you don't win, then we feel bad because you're get your hurt feelings, and so you have to get a trophy. And so it doesn't really matter if you tried hard because you're going to get a trophy anyway. Heart, sorry. No, I was saying the trophy sorry. thing. I was laughing. Like I was going to say the same thing. Everybody has to get a trophy. It's pathetic. Yeah, I mean, because there's no competition because competition is supposed to be bad, except that that's what our country is made with. You know, we are made on competition. That's the whole purpose of the free market system. That's the whole purpose of freedom. And so, you know, we're we're teaching our next generation, um, like for your next show, for your show, um, we're teaching them to be against what we're for. <laughs> it's a whole contradiction. And it makes no sense except for the fact that it's politically, if, if you're on the liberal side, it works. Because then everybody's the same, and that's communism. 
So I think with regard to religion, when we believe that everybody's the same, then that means that there's no higher power. God doesn't exist because I can do it myself. And, and then we forget that God's the one that runs the world. God's the one that's supposed, you know, that's looking out for us. And I think that, we're, you know, in school, no longer can we say the Pledge of Allegiance. We no longer can talk about God. Um, but then again, we can talk about, you know, Islam and, because that's politically correct and skip all the rest of the other religions. And I just, I think there's just a lot of moral imperity and a lot of work that needs to be done with the next generation. And it's going to have to come at the dinner table at each person's home because it's not going to happen in the schools. And it's not going to happen in the media. That was my soapbox. <laughs> Rabbi, I'd love to hear what you have to say about all that. Well, I kind of agree with you. We have, we have a problem, of course, coming from the school. The educational system is, is, is certainly anti-Christian. It's anti-biblical. And uh, with Common Core, it's even worse. Because in the past, school boards, teachers on a local level could do basically what they wanted as long as they met certain criteria, certain standards. But if you had teachers in localities and they were religious people or traditional people, they were allowed, were allowed to speak about these things. And most schools, uh, of course, uh, are directed by a local school board with local teachers. Uh, but with Common Core, we have a centralized system, and the teachers aren't even allowed to, to speak freely about the subjects. Basically, it's a series of one test after another, and they have to make sure that the children pass these tests that conform to the indoctrination that they've had uh, for the last two days and the next two days. So the schools are a big problem, as opposed to when we went to school, the schools and the, the teachers, the principals, the localities uh, who did have control were quite uh, pro-religious and pro-biblical. The Bible was the touchstone. It was respected. Then, of course, you have the entertainment, uh, you know, in, in, in bygone days when I was growing up, oh, around Christmas time or Easter or other times, there were programs that were entertaining and they venerated the principles of whatever the season was, Christmas or uh, Easter or even Thanksgiving had many religious themes attached to it as part of your entertainment, where today the entertainment is, uh, it, it, it challenges anything that's traditional, actually it, it demonizes it. And uh, then you have the reward system. People on the left that are against uh, the biblical way or religious way or traditional American way, uh, they get quite rewarded. They get wonderful jobs, and they're spoken about as if they're tolerant and wonderful and understanding and accepting and inclusive, and they're great rewards. And people such as ourselves who speak about the traditions of America automatically were were labeled extreme or mean-spirited or racist, Islamophobic, homophobic, misogynist. So uh, that's uh, something that deters people from keeping uh, these, these values because you're punished for it, and the courts punish you for it too. Look at the cases with the people, uh, the baker and the photographer. It had to go all the way to the Supreme Court, but it took two, three years, and not all cases go to the Supreme Court. And uh, we don't always have a conservative Supreme Court. Absent the Supreme Court, the court system was very much against 
these people that were uh, bakers and photographers who wanted to have freedom of conscience. They did not want to be forced to um, uh, create designs and things that were against their religious beliefs. So it's very difficult. Listen, there are some people, when they see certain things going on in the Catholic Church, they're going to leave. But that's, that's, I think, in the entire equation, that is so minuscule. But we have basically a culture and uh, government, not the present administration, but government that is anti-religious. I think it's also anti-institution. You know, I think I, I, I grew up um, being told that, you know, it's, it's good to love God, but the synagogue itself is, is all they do is ask for money. And we don't like the institution. And I think that that's a lot, you know, we don't like the institution of government. We don't like the institution of corporations. Like everything has to be um, negative. Institution of marriage, too. How about that one? Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I think that all of those um, inklings that are around our kids are, it's really destroying and it's, it's destroying the values that we stand, well, that many of us stand for. Well, I think, though, you said something very important, and that was the dinner table. If you want your children to be religious or to respect the Bible, then you have to spend time in your family life. If it's the dinner table, uh, wherever the family gets together, and pass pass on to these children of yours uh, your beliefs and your values and biblical values, not to be embarrassed by it. I mean, they're not going to just pick it up out of the air through osmosis. They've got to be told about it, and parents are hesitant, I guess. And um, you got to also take your kids to church or to synagogue, a good synagogue. You, you don't want to take them to a synagogue where all they preach is leftism and political correctness. Right. So, right. Reba, I, I would I like think... – Go ahead, Dan. Oh, go ahead, Valerie. Valerie and then Dan. Finish up, Valerie, and then Dan. I, I think that the parents many times don't know who they are. And, and don't. I remember when I got pregnant with my first child, I was like, I don't know anything about my religion. I better start learning because – my child's going to ask me about God, and I don't know what I'm going to say. So I started studying for that specific purpose, and I didn't have any background. And I feel like many people haven't done that. They don't know who they are. How can they teach their own children? So when the child goes off to college, do they have a value system? Do they know who they are and what they stand for? Because if they don't, then there's danger out there. There are people to radicalize them. There are organizations to teach them about BDS or Islamism or whatever it may be that they'll fall into. And these are traps that are waiting for our kids if we don't start at the dinner table like we said before. Um, And I think all of this stems from religion because it's values. Yeah. Dan, go ahead. Uh, Rabbi, I, 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 I want to talk to you about a dichotomy. You, you, talked about, uh, you talked about television, you talked about movies, and a lot of people talk about the violence in the games. And yet the two fastest growing television networks in the United States are both Hallmark channels. And the content on the Hallmark Channel is more traditional, more family more religious, more value-based than anything else on television. Yet it's, it's growing leaps and bounds in popularity. So how do you explain that, that we have this 
we have these two Hallmark channels that are growing like crazy. We've got all of this violence and everything else and the others that are constantly being canceled and being replaced. Valerie raised a wonderful point. What are we teaching our children? Maybe we're not teaching our children, uh, Rabbi, is because our parents didn't teach us. Well, if our parents didn't teach us, it's time for us to teach our children to not repeat the mistake. I like the Hallmark uh, station. Right now, my wife is actually watching it. She loves it. But remember, when you yeah. say fast is growing, but that's starting from a position of zero. Mm-hmm. So when you have a position of zero, um, you can be fast growing. But in terms of numbers, the numbers are not uh, – it's not like – it might be the fastest – Growing station, but it starts off with a. It, if it, it starts off with a zero uh, uh, viewership, and let's say percentage-wise, they if they add a hundred, well, you start out with zero, so that's a hundred percent growth. So it's it, it's nice to know, and it certainly appeals to a great amount of people. And the longer it's out there, the more people with wholesome values will want to watch it. It's calming. It's re, it's reaffirming. Um, it. it uh, it's, it's wonderful that way. But because something is the fastest growing doesn't mean that it in any way competes with uh, those that have been around. It's like a stock. You take a, take a stock, and it's at one. Right. And yeah. it's the fastest growing stock. It grew 100%, so now it's at two. But that doesn't mean it's better let's say than Amazon that it's at 1,800. So, yeah, it's nice to know that, and we like it, and, and it appeals to, to people such as ourselves, but Oh, it has nowhere, nowhere, nowhere near the reach and the influence of the ABCs, NBCs, the CBSs, and all these other uh, type of media. But we, we have to teach our children. Um, maybe our parents didn't teach us. In my case, my parents did. Uh, but I wrote about this in my book, Pushback. It's right there in the first chapter. Uh, we have to restore uh, the dinner table. Uh, we did it on Friday night, Saturday lunch. Uh, people that are uh, Christian should do it on Sunday lunch and insist that their family eat lunch together, a nice meal and talk. It's harder today because these kids are on these cell phones and they've got these YouTubes and these videos that they watch all day, so it's hard to get their attention. <clears throat> and uh, we can't get your kids' attention, then you can't teach them much. So the best well, way Rabbi, to do is to do it by example. Rabbi, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, this is Dan Buttafuco. We we also have the problem of the breakdown of the family. I mean, it's it's great to have this dinner time right. conversation, but if your if your only goal is to survive, and you're trying only to pay bills, and you know everything else is sort of going to hell around you, you know it's it's right. sort of hard to have these discussions. And I agree with you 100. percent right. We need to have intact families. You know, it's funny. The Bible says God hates divorce. It doesn't say God hates divorced people. Because he hates divorce, meaning he hates the concept of divorce. He hates what it does to people. He hates what it does to kids. He hates what it does to spouses. Because there's consequences right. to our choices. And when we make a choice, first to spend you know, the rest of our lives with somebody, and then we later on decide, well, you know what, we're going to make a, a choice and invalidate that choice, and we tear at the very fabric of, of society by doing so. So uh, what happens is you have a lot of kids that are adrift, and human nature being what it is, kids will play one parent against the other, especially in vulnerable situations. 
And basically, all authority breaks down. So if you don't have authority in the home, you're not going to have authority in the school. You're not going to have authority in the synagogue or the church or in the, or in the, uh, in the other areas where there are institutions. And so everything is sort of coming apart at the seams. The whole fabric of society is unraveling. Now, the, 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 God instituted the family. You know, he created a man and a woman, and they were to be, you know, equal but different roles. And together they would input into the children. And when you rip that apart, sort of everything breaks down. And that's a, a big tragedy of modern life, not just American life. And also, okay, and high, then, of high, of, of, of high real, taxes, real quick, you know. Real quick, I want to say, I want to say before you continue, Daniel, I think it's absolutely beautiful and inspiring and wonderful that you translate, you know, the Bible verses and kind of what it says in there to your everyday uh, law firm practice life. You know, you try to, you know, help people with with the words of wisdom from God. I think that's very inspiring. I wanted to say that. Well, thank you. I mean, you know, the idea, Tony, I I sort of had a a revelation, if you can call it that, about 20 years ago. You know, know, I was mainly, at one point, I was mainly interested in making money. And I, I, I got a, I got a revelation, which is the way the way you, you practice law, the way you practice any profession, being a rabbi or anything else, is you, you, your goal should be to help people to solve a problem. Anybody who's ever been great at anything, Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. He wasn't trying to get rich; he was trying to solve a problem. Now Eli Whitney invented the cotton gin. He wasn't trying to get rich; he was trying to solve a problem. Now Steve Jobs wasn't trying to only get rich. He was trying to give us a smartphone that was a useful tool. And so we sometimes have the cart before the horse, which again comes back to human nature. If our goal is to just enrich ourselves, um, we're not going to get either. But as they say, if you aim for heaven, you get earth thrown in. You know, that's how we have to look at things. And I never really became successful. And I ended up becoming super successful. I mean, we just settled a $114 million case. I mean, we do this all over the country. Wow. We built a big law firm, and yeah, no, we've broken records. We've got so giant verdicts. You know, you, settled, you just said, tell us about the big case. One hundred fourteen million. Please elaborate. I'd like to hear that real quick. No, no, no. It's it's our one hundred fourteenth million dollar case, meaning that we've had one hundred fourteen oh, wow. separate cases for a million dollars or more. One was one was the highest was thirty million in, in Illinois, which was the fourth largest case. But the point is, the real point I want to make, the money's nice for sure, but what really matters is when you're helping people. And if your goal is to help people, the money follows. That's what I'm trying to say. If your goal is to make money, often you don't help people or make money. But if your goal is to help people and you do it right, you solve a problem, then the money inevitably follows. It's, it's It's sort of a paradox of life. Even Jesus said it. It's just sort of weird that the New Testament is full of paradoxes. We are first by being last. We, ha- we receive by giving. We go up by going down. Uh, you know, every, everything is backwards in, in the New Testament. It's counterintuitive to human nature. So we, we, that, that, you know, sometimes takes serious introspection to get to that point where you start to realize, you know, blessed is he who gives. It's more blessed to give than to receive. That's just not a nice platitude. That really works. So, you know, these yeah. are the points and these are the spiritual principles that the Bible teaches that I think we've gotten away from and we've sort of relegated it to a, a fantasy or, or some kind of a, a legend or something. What I'm here to say and what my book is saying, consider the evidence, is that the Bible, you can base your life on it. 
It is a valid book from God, Old and New Testaments. Rabbi, I love the Tanakh. It's beautiful. It's a wonderful Mm -hmm. book, and it's full of God's wisdom. On the outside of my building, I have a scripture from King Solomon. It says, the righteous care about justice for the poor. And that's a principle Mm -hmm. that we, we all should take to heart. King Solomon, according to scripture, was the wisest man that ever lived. And he said, the righteous care about justice for the poor. Notice he didn't say the righteous care about handouts for the poor. Does the righteous care about justice for the <laughs> And so, so we really have to go back to the Bible and ancient wisdom. Now, why ancient wisdom is important? Because today we're distracted by lots of things, cell phones and tablets and TV and radio, right? In the ancient yeah. times, they were in the fields. They were talking to God. There was no distraction. Right. They were able to hear right. from God. And guess what? They right. wrote it down. So we don't have to. I mean, it's nice if we can, but can you go up into a mountain for a month? I can't. Right, right. So yeah. I have the Bible to give me this stuff. It's, it's sort of a direct source. Isn't it? Isn't it fascinating? And isn't it? Isn't it amazing how you know? Just as time goes on, life gets so evolved. You know, whether it's from a a product standpoint, from a technology standpoint. You know, all these things that come to our attention and and are right in front of us, and we we kind of miss out on the on the simple things. Like like they did in the old days, like be more. I mean, let, let's face it. When when technology didn't exist and all of this stuff didn't exist, I mean, people had no other choice in a sense than to converse with each other and uh, you know get to know one another and you know have these uh, moments that we don't necessarily have in our society anymore because we're like you said, we're so busy on our phones, we're so busy on our devices. We're, we're so distracted with what's going on on TV. I mean, there's so many different variables. And they were forced to Gloria. live with each other, too. That's the other thing. You know, like, we, it, it, way to be t- interrupt you, but we can, we can talk okay. with one another. And as we debate these things peacefully and lovingly, the good ideas yeah. float to the top and the bad ideas sort of sink to the bottom. And eventually yeah. we sort of come up with a consensus that we can all live with. So I, I really it's, think it's that's like important, new, and like, I think getting like along new, is important. Right, but it's like the new norm. It's like using your phone is like the new norm these days. It's just like it's created sort of a thing in our society. And uh, But, Valerie, you wanted to say something. Go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to say about the phone, you know, it's a tool like anything else. You know, the Bible's a tool. The phone's a tool. These are all things yep. that are available yep. to us in our daily life that we choose how to use or how not to use. And I think that, you know, it's all about balance because, you know, if, if you don't have God in your life or if the family isn't learning uh, Torah or, or Bible or Old New Testament or whatever it is, um, I think values are lost. And meaning is lost. And I think that's what, when you have a belief in God, you, you understand why you're here on this earth. And you, can, you have meaning in your life. And I think so many kids today don't know why they're here. And I think that causes a lot of emptiness inside them. Why am I here? And, you know, the, 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 the rate of suicide is so much higher now than I think ever. Um, and especially in the United States where we have everything. You don't hear many people in Africa committing suicide, you know, because they're just trying to get through the day and get food and water and the necessities of life. And I think throughout all of this quote-unquote success that we've had in this country, we forgot about why we're here. 
That's a great point, so, Allie, course, and I will say one more thing, if I may, just one more thing, is that ultimately we're all going to stand before God, and he's the one, he, you know, he's, I, I understand God is a sexless being, I'll use the word he, just to be uh, somewhat uh, yeah. acceptable here. No problem but, with but, me. <laughs> but, but, God, but God is the one we're going to stand before, and he is the one to whom we must, must give an account. And so it's nice to have the oxalods of the masses, and it's great to have people right. give you, you know, the high five and to and to extend the, the, the you know, their, you know, awards and everything else. But ultimately, ultimately, what matters is what God thinks of us. And so when you, if that's the basis and core of your existence, then everything sort of falls into perspective. And so I'm advocating right. that. Clearly, that's my point. That's what I'm advocating that we're playing to an audience of one. And that's God. I like, that doesn't I, mean we, we, I like, we despise people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like I, I like your side. You make a valid point. I want Rabbi respond. Go ahead. I like all the points. I think they're great. And um, but it's, it it takes uh, effort on our part. We've got to go out. We've got to speak about these things. Uh, but we need the uh, venues where there's already a, a great. Attendanceship. There's a public to hear this. I think a lot of people agree with us, and uh, we're talking about it today. But the problem is that we are being deliberately shut off from a lot of the public venues. The people at ABC or NBC or CBS, uh, the people at the New York Times, the Washington Post, they purposely do not give us a voice. I'll give you an example. Years ago, we did a lot of um, rallies in behalf of certain causes, conservative causes, pro-American causes, pro-Israel causes. And, uh, oh, this is up to about 10 years ago, and we got wonderful coverage. That doesn't mean that the media supported what we said, but at least they covered us. Today, they've come up with this idea, don't cover anything that's conservative. Don't cover uh, a news item or, 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 or an opinion, uh, or don't print an opinion, or don't cover a rally on the news that's too pro-Israel or pro-family or pro-America or pro-Trump. So it's very hard anything to get our message out. Anything traditional. It's not even conservative. It's anything traditional. Yes, anything traditional. Wholesome. You talk about wholesome family life, the pure family life. Yep. Uh, yep. So it's very hard to get our message out. That's what we have to do. We have to figure out, all of us that do agree that this is the the message that has to be delivered, and we've got to be active, but now, how do we get it out to a wide audience? And it's disgusting and sick how these left-wing media outlets, like you mentioned, ABC, NBC, the Washington Post, the New York Times, how they... Once we mention God, God, they get all offended. But oh, if you if you talk bad about Muslims or you question Islam, they it, it, it's just it's ridiculous. You know how they'll well, that's, that's the contradiction. They're all they're always talking about separation of church and state, not getting too religious. But anything to do with Islam, that that's sacred. And they say, well, that has nothing yeah. to do with religion. That's part of multicultural. Listen, well, they're, they're, on the afraid, side. they're afraid of getting blown they, they, up. That's why. And <laughs> That's let, one let's thing. face they're, it, guys, they're, they're real afraid. quick. Rabbi, I want you to continue, but real quick, let's face the fact. Islam.
Islam is not a religion. It's an ideology. But continue, Rabbi. Yes, it's an ideology, but it gets the, 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 the license that we give to religion. We like religion. And it gets that license uh, because it masquerades itself as a religion. But it's more so an ideology of conquest, of, of submission of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's not like Judaism or, or Christianity. It's, it's, it, it's completely different. Right. So uh, that, and regarding Islam, the way they get around it is by saying, "Well, no, we're we're not advancing a religion. We're in the name of multiculturalism. We're advancing a culture." Yeah. But the truth is that many of those on the left at this point they're partnering uh, with Islam right. because what they want to do right. is they want to destroy the Judeo-Christian ethos. They also want to transform yeah. America. America is the last real bastion of the Judeo-Christian outlook. If you destroy America. Yeah which the left wants to do, you get rid of the Judeo-Christian ethos. Also, if you get rid of the Judeo-Christian ethos, then in effect you're getting rid of America because without the Judeo-Christian ethos, it's Sweden, it's Belgium, it's not America. So right now they're partnering with Islam because Islam, most of Islam, I mean there are some exceptions, but if you listen to the imams, most of Islam and the left, their goal is to just destroy uh, the Judeo-Christian Ethos yeah. and certainly yeah. to destroy America. Yeah, and, and ra- Rabbi, Rabbi, go go ahead, yeah. Valerie. I want I want to keep Rabbi and Daniel on the line. I'll make it quick. But, uh, fit, yeah, I just want to switch topics quick. right after you're done. Okay. Last night we were talking about how um, Jews and Christians are coming away from our our religions. And as you were speaking, Rabbi, I was thinking about the opposite is happening with Islam and Islamism. More people are coming towards that. And I think the difference, the juxtaposition between the two, between Judeo-Christian religion and Islamism is really creating um, a fast forward of of, um, losing our values in the United States and getting closer to what's going on in Europe, um, I think we're maybe a decade behind. But um, it's a very dangerous thing, and I don't, I don't really see much happening in the United States to stop this roller coaster that's that's running over us. Well, it's called Donald Trump. Donald Trump <laughs> is trying to do that by by uh, not allowing our borders to be open yeah. to people that yeah. come Good from. Point. Uh, countries that bring in terrorists are bringing people that want to impose Sharia. I mean, if a person doesn't right. want to live by the Constitution of the United States, they shouldn't be here. We are entitled as a nation, right. as a people, to have our laws, our Constitution. We worked 400 years on this. We can't be so lacking in self-respect as to say, well, we have no Constitution, we have no laws, you're allowed to come in and change our country. And all of us that have been here for 200 years or 300 years, and all of us who have family members that have fought for the country, well, just too bad. You're just going to have to give up your identity and your freedom, and you're going to have to do what the, uh, the, 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 the immigrants from Islamic countries want. That's, first of all, no self-respect. But the left does it because they want to destroy all of the American yeah. institutions. They want to transform. They want, they want, they're Marxists. That's what they want. It all goes in, it all goes into the PC culture, the political correctness bullshit that the left pulls off. 
Like, let's face it, like, a man was just banned from Disney World because he held up a Make America Great Again sign on a ride. They kicked him out of Disney forever because he held up a Trump sign. I mean, this is what our society has come to. I mean, people that go in... I can tell you one thing. If the man had a hat, if a man had a hat that said Allah Akbar, he would not have been kicked out of Disney World. Exactly. Exactly. You're absolutely right. And that's the sick part. I mean, we have these people that, uh, I mean, Disney is so left. I mean, they're so far gone. I mean, it's ridiculous. Their company's filled with pedophiles. You know, I mean, there's so many secrets with that company, and there's so much dirt and so much just uh, filth. They, uh, it goes on and on, but you know, I, it makes me sick the way our, our our country is at this point. And you know, it, it's like, you know, I, I kind of want to. Sorry, somebody was somebody saying say something. Valerie, was that you? No, I'm, no, go ahead. No, I was just saying. I mean, the, the, what our country has come to, and all these people with entitlement in the streets basically demanding free health care. First of all, these people don't understand, you know, the, especially on the left, these voters, they actually think free. No, bullshit. This is taxpayer money. This is money that is flooding bank accounts from taxpayers to pay for other people that are, you know, majority are lazy. I'm not saying all, but you got those few that are really struggling, but you got so many people that take advantage of the system and the fact they want to start talking about Medicare for all is disgraceful because that's entitlement. That's basically uh, demanding and saying no matter what, you have to take care of me. And that's not how America works because people earn health insurance. People pay for health insurance. Health insurance is not a necessity. It's a privilege. It, it, it has always been a privilege. And let's face it, people pay all this money yearly for good plans, and then you got these other suckers. I used an S, by the way. I did not use the F. And, you know, you got all these people that are taking advantage, illegal, uh, you know, people. It just goes on and on, and I'm tired of it. I mean, I don't want America to turn into a Marxist country, and, you know, we got all these voter fraud ballots going on in Florida, Georgia, California. It's basically like the government and these political figures are taking over our system. I mean, this is scary times we are living in. And people listening, this is real. This is not something that's hyperbolic. This is not something that's over-exaggerated. We are not. Nobody is safe. Understand that. Nobody is safe. We are living in, in, a, in a time where our government is coming after us, our, especially the left. I mean, our savior is Donald Trump. He, he's there to, to, you know, protect us. But at the same time, we've got to fight back. I mean, this is just nuts what, 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 the, what, what Obama created with entitlement. You have these zombies in the streets protesting, demanding white people give black people their property. This is fucking nuts. I've never seen anything like this. I've seen so many rates. And by the way, I I, I know I'm all over the place and I go on these rants, but I see so many racist comments from, like, you know, other other, other races, like 
Hispanic, black, towards white, and nobody ever bats an eye, but once a white responds, everybody goes nuts, especially the left. You know, I just see so much stuff that is destroying our country, and it's scary. And I, I'm just, you know, I, it's all over the place for me. I mean, it, it's just, it's nuts what we're dealing with. Well, I, Rory, may I just say one thing, and then I have to go because it's pretty late here in New York, and I have court in the morning. Yeah, but yeah, let me yeah, just we say one, one last left. thing. We only got a few minutes left. Yeah, but go ahead. Let me just say one thing. You know, democracy itself can be the problem, and here's why. I love democracy. I love the fact that everybody gets a say in government. But there's two problems here. The first one is that democracy only really works if the population is a moral population. I think it was the Tocqueville that said it, that America is great because America was good. Democracy, when you break it down, is essentially mob rule, meaning that if the mob wants evil – and they vote 51% yeah. for it, you, you pretty yeah. much get what the mob wants. So if the mob votes yeah. that we should kill babies or old people, then guess what happens? That's the law of the land. So and to be, to be only fair, to be fair, real quick, before you continue, I want you to finish. But yeah. to be fair, let's face it, the Democratic Party is no different than the mob. Well, well, yeah, I mean, the, the mob is the total population. And then the other, the other problem is, you know, Every single person has one vote. So whether you're informed you, or uninformed, you both have a vote. Whether you're a drug addict or a producer, you still get one vote. Whether you produce right. uh, for the country or whether you take from the country, you still get one vote. And I forget who it was that said that democracy will last only as long as it takes for people to find out that they can vote themselves yeah. largesse from the treasury. So yeah. that's yeah. what is happening now. When, when people have figured yeah. out that – the, the, the power of vote is, is the power of entitlement, then the whole thing yeah. self-destructs. So we got to come back to a moral basis, and we got to come back to a sane discussion about religion, no violence yeah. in the name of religion, and we have to yeah. be a moral society. It doesn't mean a perfect society. We certainly make mistakes. We're all sinners. But we have to come back to a point where we respect one another, we respect basic things like property rights, Respect basic yep. things like people who want to contribute, and we, we, should, we should have the values in which we hold people who contribute to society in, in esteem and not try to tear them down. I think it was Lincoln that said that nobody right. that is poor has ever been helped by tearing down somebody who is successful. So I'm going to leave it at that, you guys. Well, love you guys. Very, very, I'm going to have to go. Well. But please, All please right. you guys have a good day. Everybody can find it. Yes, consider the evidence. A trial lawyer examines eyewitness testimony in defense of the reliability of the New Testament by Daniel Buttafuoco, trial lawyer. And I wish you guys the best. And, Rabbi, God bless you, too. And Take Daniel, care, Daniel. We'll back on. Uh, Daniel, I want to have you back on next week, so I'll get that arranged. Okay, guys. Great. Have a good one. All right. Bye. God bless. God bless. So, you know, Rabbi, while I have you on the phone, I want to keep you on. We have a few minutes left, about five, six minutes left. But I want to keep you on. I want to kind of switch topics, go into political. Perkins, are you still there, buddy? Oh, Dan, Dan, Dan uh, is off. But, um, you know, a- asking you about what you think about, you know, there there was a a headline out today saying the judge, could put the squeeze on Hillary Clinton for the testimony on her emails because there's a, a watchdog group. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, we need to take down the Clintons. That's one of the parts of saving our society. 
What did this judge say? There was a big headline out today. The judge could put the squeeze on Hillary Clinton for the testimony on her emails. There's been watchdog groups out investigating and wa- and uh, getting evidence on her and stuff. Oh, that's good. Who is this judge, though? Does this judge have any I don't power? Know ju- I don't know who is the, the judge is. Is the judge involved the in the case? Is. No, but I don't know. But it was out of the New York Post, so the New York Post is very accurate. Um, but hmm. they're talking about I, – I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. They're just talking about uh, she could be subpoenaed. Uh, apparently this watchdog group has some stuff on her, but you know I've heard this before. I've heard this before, and then that's right. Nothing, nothing has happened in the, nothing has happened in the last two years. Even though we know that they sold our country's uranium to Russia, yep, and there was a pay for play where they would uh, have people from different countries make donations into the Clinton Foundation. Thereby getting yeah. access to the Secretary of State. Uh, there's the stuff with yeah. Benghazi, but nothing has yeah. happened so far. And uh, right, it's just and the bad. Democratic Party, the Democratic Party is really filled with scum. I mean, look at Michael Avenatti, the the porn lawyer, just got arrested yesterday for domestic violence for beating his ex-wife. So I mean, you got all these people on the left, and he's one example. You got look at look at Keith Ellison. Keith Ellison was beating his girlfriend. So all these people on the left that get passes, Bill Clinton rapes. So you got to ask yourself this question. This is the yeah. question that's bothered me since the election. What is yeah. wrong with the American people? Do they either not know about this? Because unless you watch Fox News, uh, you're not going to know about this from television. You're not going to know about and this then from everybody, the mainstream everybody media. And then everybody on the left wants to say, oh, you watch Fox News? That's fake news. That's propaganda. That's for Republicans. That's for that's for white privilege. So what's with the American people? Do they either not know this, or do they know this? But their values are so different. Uh, I know. So so different. Do they just than turn their head? Do they, just not, they don't do they care. try to ignore it? Do they try to ignore it? Do they not care? Like do they do they just say, oh, uh, well that's not as bad as Trump? I mean, what what do they do? I guess. You know, they still swallow this stuff that the Democrat Party is for the common man and for human rights and civil rights and social justice. And so, therefore, they vote Democrat because those are such good things. And uh, we'll overlook these uh, little petty things. And those Republicans, they're so mean and they're so extreme and they hate this one and they hate that one. I think a lot of them have swallowed this. And also, you have a lot of voters today, especially if they're illegal immigrants. That they don't even right. understand what the founding principles of this, principles of this country are. So when we talk about exactly. as Republicans the founding principles, that doesn't mean anything to them. All they want is the freebies, the freebies, and the freebies. They're going to vote you're for whoever gives them the freebies. You're absolutely right, and and they want to complain about Russia, but when when they hack into our elections and do voter fraud, they're like, oh, Republicans are just making that up. I mean, it's such a double standard, so much hypocrisy. Uh, we are out of time, but uh, Rabbi, please promote yourself where people can find your book and all your information, and uh, we'll be on TV all next week, and I'll be sure to get you on our TV show next week. Pushback. The title of the book, Reclaiming Our American Judeo-Christian Spirit. And just one last thing. If you have high taxes, it's very, very difficult for a family because everybody has to work because the taxes are so high, so what you earn 
So much of it is taken away. Lower taxes would mean that a family could have more time to be together and to pass on the heritage and to talk with each other. They wouldn't have to be working, both parents, 24-7. Absolutely. Well, very well said. Uh, God bless you, sir. And uh, uh, you, and you we're, uh, we'll talk to you soon. We'll have you back on in your website where people can find you. Is Valerie there? I'm here. Yes. What area? That, are, are you in, in Long Island somewhere? We, we do. She's no, in I'm, Maryland, I'm but in we Maryland. do got to go. Very good. Well, I'll send you over her information. Yes, please do. All right. Good luck, everybody. More, Rabbi. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you, Rabbi. Valerie Greenfeld, please uh, advertise yourself uh, where people can find your book. So, yardjihad.com. You can get it on Amazon.com, and our security company is SkyRaceSecurity.com. And thank you for letting me promote. Absolutely, and you can find me at RorySodder.tv. You can visit all my social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Also visit GetYourAppBuilt.com. Also visit um, MakingChristianityGreatAgain.com. You can also visit our new media site, which we're still putting all together, but we have some stuff up. It's TheNextGenUSA.com. Again, that's T-H-E-N-E-X-G-E-N-U-S-A.com, everybody. Uh, it's been an amazing night with all of you. Uh, I adore you. It's always uh, just, it, it's amazing. I mean, I love, I love coming on. I love hosting this show. I love shining my light. I want you all to have a great weekend. Uh, we covered so much topics tonight. Uh, we've had amazing guests. I want to thank them. I want to thank our sponsors. I want to thank my co-hosts. I want, again, I want to thank you guys, the audience, because you guys make this happen. Um, we will be back with you next week. We'll be doing TV, um, and we will be, um, yeah, we'll be doing all TV next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So everybody get ready, and uh, it's going to be good times. All right, I love you all. Uh, have a great weekend. God bless. Uh, cheers, everyone.